In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. There is so much to fear in the world. Mass shooters, wars, terrorists, the economy, climate change, fires and natural disasters, job insecurity, the hair-trigger anger of others that leads to violence, COVID, disease, death, Taking refuge in our homes to avoid these threats is a little comfort because there the news and the media and the politicians and the culture continue to beat the drum of fear. Such fear tends to limit our vision and paralyze our actions. It makes it difficult to imagine a hopeful future, let alone work toward it. At our most fearful, we give up. We check out, we anesthetize, we circle the wagons. I've mentioned before that fear not appears 365 times in scripture. It said this is because we need to be reminded each and every day to lay aside our fear. Today is the second of three Sundays where we're focusing on the 12th chapter of Luke. In this chapter, Jesus has told us, do not worry about securing your comfort and provision, building bigger barns and storing up worldly treasure. He has said, do not worry about what you will eat or what you will wear. He has said, do not be afraid because you are more important to God than the sparrows and the ravens and the lilies and look how God provides for them. How much more will God provide for you? But just when all of this reassurance may have begun to convince us to give up a little of our worry and fear, Jesus turns around and ramps it up again. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. You must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Well, now I'm afraid again. I don't know if you feel this as well, but for me, there is a dissonance between Jesus's invitation to trust God enough to be generous with what we have and his exhortation to be prepared for God's appearance. Think of how our bodies brace when we're preparing for an unavoidable impact. That's the feeling I associate with trying to be prepared all the time for Jesus's return. It is this same foreboding that has led to so much end time speculation over the years. Because if I can predict when the master is going to show up, I can plan to be ready for him. I can make sure I'm at peak attention then. I imagine this is akin to the rationale of survivalists who pack their bunkers with a year's worth of supplies. And this isn't the only place in scripture where we are warned to be diligent and prepared for the master's return. So it must be a legitimate concern of Jesus. But this hypervigilance sounds unattainable, doesn't it? 
I've often thought about the difficulty of having a job that is structured around being prepared for something that will hopefully never happen. An overnight security guard at an office building. A quality control worker on a Lexus production line. A government employee charged with detecting alien invasions. These are jobs with a lot of waiting and not much action. How do you stay vigilant? How do you keep watchful? How do you make sure that when the unlikely actually happens, you're ready for it? And implied in this call to watchfulness is that if God shows up and we're asleep at the switch, there will be some judgment to pay. Perhaps as we've read elsewhere in scripture, we'll find ourselves locked out of the banquet hall. So of course, these admonitions to be watchful only increase our fear. I think the way to understand and hold together this call to preparedness and the fear not call to trust in God's providential care is through the first line of our passage today. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is God's desire to give us his kingdom. The kingdom is not something we earn, it is a gift. And the way we receive the gift makes all the difference to how we understand this passage and how we live our lives. We have been conditioned by the world to believe that we must protect ourselves by managing our wealth and our health and our risk. We've been conditioned to amass as much control over our lives as possible because with control comes predictability and security. And because life is scary and precarious, we have allowed ourselves the luxury of becoming more self-indulgent, immersing ourselves in adventures and appeasing our appetites. The witness of this way of living is, I'm sure God means well, but I don't really trust that he's going to take care of me. So I'm going to do us both a favor and take care of myself. But this way of living so common to all of us is a sad commentary on our trust in God. In essence, we've found our treasure in our self-reliance instead of in God. And what Jesus tells us today is where your treasure is, there your heart is. Well, if my treasure is centered in me, we are in a sad state of affairs. God's desire is that we would trust the extent of his love for us, that we would trust that it truly is his good pleasure to give us his kingdom, that we would loosen our grasp on all those parts of our lives that we think give us security and instead hold on to him. Because when we give up some control and trust God to care for us, we're able to accept the grace that God offers us as a gift. And when we experience God's grace, we're more able to share that grace with others. We become more generous, more caring, more accepting of others. 
The absence of fear helps us imagine treasures beyond those of our own making. And I think this is the key to understanding Jesus' challenge that we be prepared for his appearance. When we hold our stuff more loosely, our vision expands. We're able to see God at work all around us. When we nurture this generosity of spirit, our perception of how God is present grows. God has been here all along. But his activity has often been at the edges of our awareness, easily overlooked when our focus is protecting and providing for ourselves. In allowing ourselves to trust in and rest in God's care, we nurture our ability to discover God's presence all around us. We don't watch for a God who will return at some unknown, distant date to culminate all things. We watch for God to show up here and now, in our homes and in our communities, in the beauty of creation, and in the goodness and kindness we see expressed by others. We're able to perceive God's action in places where we least expected or imagined it. As our fear and self-reliance decrease, our ability to perceive God's arrival increases. The message of this passage is not, be ready so you'll avoid punishment. It is, be ready so you won't miss the blessing God has prepared for you. We no longer fear God's arrival because God is arriving all the time. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We struggle to believe it. It just seems difficult to trust. There must be a catch. There must be fine print. We think trust, but verify. Have a backup plan. But no, the kingdom has already been given. There are no conditions to fulfill or action plans to achieve. There is no role for our resourcefulness or our efforts. Ours is a God who attends to sparrows, ravens, and lilies. A God whose concern for us extends to the very hairs on our head. A God whose desire it is to give us the treasure of his kingdom. If we trust God, if we have faith, we will hold the assurances of this world more loosely so that we might hold on to God more fully. When we're able to do so, we will experience a whole new vision of how God is present and working in the world then our treasure and our hearts will rightly be set on God. Amen.